Welcome, everyone, to the Launchpad here in Puckburg, a podcast with the daring do bad and good puck tales on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Kyle Sullivan, aka Shaggy Von Doom, with another episode of Puck Tales. Woo! And the you know who on the other end of the woo hoo is none other than Beth Searles. You can find her on the chat when it comes to Rough Cut Sportscast and all of their shows, but she is here today giving us the background of her hockey history. So, Beth, it is an honor to have you on. It's great to be on. And uh, yeah, we wanted to have you on your, if you spend any time with Rough Cut Sportscast, uh, you know, you'll find me in the chat usually somewhere and you'll find Beth and she is the self-proclaimed hockey head in the Rough Cut Sportscast. So I have to, uh, you know, play second fiddle, but she wanted to come on here in Puckburg and talk about her, her hockey origins and the game of hockey and what it means to her. And where that's led her throughout life. So, Beth, again, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an honor. Anytime, anytime. Let's let's start at the beginning. Hockey. The game of hockey. What about the game of hockey stood out to you at a young age, I assume? Um, so I actually had to phone a friend <laughs> slash family member to get this answer. Um, I called my dad, who is the reason I love hockey. Uh, he's born and bred in Chicago, lifelong Blackhawks, Bears, Cubs fan. Um, and I had to call him and I was like, Dad, when did you know that I loved hockey? And his response was when you were six months old, we took you to watch a youth hockey game of a team I used to coach. And the entire game, you followed end to end. You were into it. You followed the action. And I'm also pretty sure you were born with hockey skates on. <laughs> Six months old. I think you are the youngest <laughs> fan of hockey on here in Puckburg. So congratulations with that title. Well, thank you. So <laughs> was, uh... it started with youth hockey. You're watching end to end, which is a big deal. If anybody's ever attended a youth hockey game of any kind, there's a lot of distractions, a lot of noise going on. For you to pay attention wire to wire, coast to coast, the 200 foot game, if you will. That's a, and born with hockey skates. Apparently born with hockey skates. Um, I learned to skate. I want to say my dad said it was the 88, 89. So I was maybe two. Um, He worked at the Washington Capitals practice facility. And the boys were practicing one day and I was just enamored with everything that was going on. And I kept trying to walk onto the ice and none other than Ivan LeBray was like, don't worry, Johnny, I've got this. And they went and got me a pair of figure skates to which I scoffed at. Um, And I pointed to their skates and went, I want those. So they got me hockey skates and I basically have skated ever since. Wow, that's incredible. And you have the knowledge and wherewithal to determine the difference between hockey skates and figure skates. So uh, more kudos. Say this is why you're 
<laughs> yeah, yeah th- see this is why you're the hockey head over there this is why i have to play second fiddle so kudos to you uh so when about did you get started with playing the game and where after that moment of getting on the ice on the capitals practice rink where did that take you um so i mean obviously just a lot of like recreational skating i played a lot of um a lot of pickup as a kid um there just wasn't the the means or the time to commit mm-hmm. to playing on a team. Um, so did a lot of stick and puck, did a lot of pickup, um, have played in some really fun, like charity games, just because um, played in practice with the guns and hoses team when my dad worked for the Norfolk Admirals. Um, and just, I mean, all sorts of fun, just going out and, and doing it for the love of the game, not necessarily for the competitive aspect, because I mean, it's, it's stick and puck. You're lucky sometimes if you have five people show up. So, well, so you have mentioned Chicago, Washington, Norfolk, where, where and when did your fandom start for the team that you're currently a fan of? So I've lived a lot of places. My mom was in the military. So I was born in California. We moved to DC when I was like nine months old. Uh, moved to Southern Virginia when I was six and I moved to Florida in 2010, but I have never not been a Chicago Blackhawks fan. Um, I'm pretty sure I would have been disowned (laughs) as anything other than a Chicago Blackhawks fan in my family. Like we're all Blackhawks fans. Um, the, the thing that really solidified my love for the Blackhawks, I was six or seven and we went to a card show in Richmond, Virginia, of all places, because Bobby Hull was there. Hey. And my dad intentionally planned it to where we were the last people. We were the cutoff at the end of the line. And me, my mom, and my dad were all wearing matching Blackhawks jerseys. And we walked up to the table. And I will censor this for the podcast-friendly version. Bobby Hull looked at me. And said I was the cutest effing kid he'd ever seen in his entire life. <laughs> and I just kind of stood there like, me? <laughs> me? I'm the cute. What? Hold on. So, like, we sat and had a good 15, 20-minute conversation with him because we were the last group. My dad obviously knew what he was doing. Um, but, I mean, that that to me was just like, okay, I'm the cutest kid he's ever seen. <laughs> so, it's fine. Like, we're locked in. There was a small deflect defection in the 90s like most 90s children at a, a period of time where I was a Mighty Ducks of Anaheim fan and everything was Mighty Ducks of Anaheim I still have my iTech skate bag that is eggplant purple and I also have a hat that probably weighs about 15 pounds because it is covered in Mighty Ducks of Anaheim pins nice uh, so I still had my dad sent me all of that. And it was like, I remember all of these things. <laughs> yeah, I think it, everybody had that, that period of their life that they just kind of latched on to that team with the movies and everything they had going on. I mean, the Ducks were cool. And some people stayed with the Ducks. Some people found their teams or went back to their teams. So you went back to Chicago, which around that time, it w- probably wasn't hard a hard move to jump off the the Blackhawks bandwagon. Most of my life, it's been rough to be a Blackhawks fan. Um, 
there were, there were many, 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 many years where I was convinced that I would never get to witness the Hawks hoist Lord Stanley's Cup. Uh, I was also convinced that it was my fault because um, when I was five, I hugged and kissed the Stanley Cup because it came to visit. Mm. My fault. Um, I didn't know better. I was little. It's fine. I was excited. Um, but I was wholeheartedly convinced it was my fault. And then what's funny, when the dynasty era of the Blackhawks happened, it was around the same time that we actually moved to Florida. And it was the first time in my life that I did not have local minor league hockey to support or hockey locally within a 10 to 15 minute distance to support. I call it my hockey dark days. Mm -hmm. Um, It was rough. Like I grew up, my dad worked for the Hampton Roads Admirals. He worked for the Norfolk Admirals. He was their public address announcer. We had season tickets because of that. I never missed a game ever. Man. So I legitimately sat on the stairs in the parking garage the day we were moving to Florida and cried like a small child because I knew I was going somewhere where hockey wasn't going to be. And like, I I mean, Tampa's three and a half hours away, Florida or sunrise is six ish hours away, but that 10, 15, 20 minute commute wasn't going to exist. And then 2010 happened. Mm Mm-hmm. And we lived on a military base. And the day the Hawks won the cup, the military police showed up at my house because it was a a beautiful day. I had the windows open and they thought someone was harming me because (laughs) I was like screaming and crying on the phone with my dad. And they showed up like as a wellness check because my house was like a stone's throw from the gate. They could hear me losing my mind. You should have asked them to start the cup parade right like let's go (laughs) right now I mean uh it was it was insane I was like I'm fine I swear (laughs) just really happy (laughs) you should you should have told them it's okay I kissed and hugged the cup and they won anyway and that would have really cleared everything up (laughs) they would have been even more lost and probably sent me to the hospital on some sort of psych hold um because I would have just been speaking nonsense to them because I mean I live in Jacksonville, Florida now. It's more of a hockey town than it used to be now that we've got local hockey back. We've got the Iceman back. That was a very happy day in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it I mean, more people know about hockey now. They're really starting to become a part of the community. So it's nice. I have a good, knit, like, tight-knit group of hockey people. Um, they are very much my family. Um and I mean, we, we tailgated hockey games. You really can't get that anywhere outside of the South. Well, tell me about the ECH. Isn't the Iceman, aren't they ECHL? Correct. And the, see, this is just spitting off the back of my noggin. Um, yeah. Tell me about the ECHL scene in that area. I know the Birmingham Bulls of the 90s, um, mm-hmm. they were ECHL as well. And mm-hmm. I think the fans just recognized the fact that there was hockey more than the league it was a part of. Um, there's a lot of history in the ECHL, and it's not that bad of a league. Like, I know it gets kind of dwarfed because of the AHL, but tell me about the ECHL scene in Jacksonville. So the good thing about Jacksonville is it's a military town. Hmm. So there are a lot more hockey fans here than one would think um, because there's people from everywhere. I mean yeah. – You've got the snowbird community as well. So 
I know our our fan group, the the Iceman Puckheads. There's, I think, over fifteen hundred members. Wow. Um, we've got a pretty good contingent of season ticket holders. We are loud. We are rowdy. We have. Oh, this pains me to say we we doctored Nashville's goal chant and made it slightly our own. The first time I yelled out those words, it hurt my heart. Um, we do the same in Birmingham. Don't feel bad. But it hurt my heart to say those words. Um, but it's to the point now we're coming up on, on season five. The entire arena has the goal chant down. Nice. And it is loud. <laughs> like it is in the one one game this past season, which was obviously different because of everything with COVID. I mean, we were socially distanced and, you know, half capacity, so on and so forth. But during one goal chant, I just stopped to listen. And it was just like, you could hear it like echoing throughout the arena. It was just amazing. Yeah. We, we had that same scenario. Um, We started our season back December 26th Mm -hmm. of 2020 and um we had that same moment where i kind of stopped just to listen to that first goal chant and it was like everyone was waiting for that moment because like the sphl is much smaller scale than echl and a lockout or any kind of financial adversity when it comes to the league could mean its demise so yeah. there was there was a very real possibility there was going to be no more sphl hockey and when we got to all go back for that game, it was like such a sense of relief that the team was back and hockey was still there. And that goal chant, probably one of my favorites. Yeah. I, I have a, an Apple watch and the first goal chant after the first goal, after this season started, my, my watch was yelling at me because <laughs> the noise level was over 105 decibels and that can cause damage to your hearing. And it was pretty much that way the entire game. I mean, I never, I know how lucky I am to have hockey, having not had a local team for seven years when we moved here, but you forget Mm -hmm. like how lucky you are to be able to go to affordable professional hockey. Yeah. And I mean, just because it was like, there was just this energy. Yeah. Like it was, it was palpable. You could feel how excited everyone was to be in the building, but it was also different. Like we couldn't do events. There wasn't like team events with, with the boys out. There was like season ticket member events, but it was just us. So it's like the most distance I've ever felt from an ECHL team. I mean, I've I've been blessed. My dad worked for the Hampton Roads Admirals starting in the early nineties, like I got to say my first quote unquote bad word at six. <laughs> my mom told me that I could say suck in hell during our super old school gold chant. It was, it was the Hey song, like most nineties yeah. hockey goal songs. Uh, and I got to say suck and hell. And I was the happiest six year old ever, but like, I've been blessed to like have a background where my dad worked in media. My dad worked in hockey. I've watched NHL games from the press box I have like I, I when I was four, I got to take a limo to a Capitals game because my dad Whoa. was working, and I was at a babysitter, and his boss was like, "We'll just send a car for her; it's fine." 
So to be like a four-year-old, this is the first memory I really have. I was four. I pulled up to the game in a limo and everyone's heads turned like limo, important person. And I got out with my high C ecto cooler juice box. It was like, <laughs> hi, like first vivid memory I have of anything because everybody was like, I wonder whose kid that is. I wonder who that is. And I was just like going to meet my dad and sit in the press box and watch hockey. You should have just kept on walking and saying, Oh, Bobby Hull said I was the cutest kid you ever see. That's why I have a limo. <laughs> this was pre-Bobby Hull. This was a couple of years before that. So he had not yet told me that I was the cutest kid he'd ever seen. Um, but well, he, no, mu- he must have saw the limo. He must have known. He had to know. He was there that day, for sure. <laughs> um, now, going back to a comment you made a little bit ago, um, you talked about kissing and hugging the cup. Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself a superstitious fan? I'm not just superstitious. I am like extra major stitious. Give me, give me your stitiouses. <laughs> so on game days, if they're home, I have to wear an away jersey. Same. If they're wearing an alternate, I have to wear a non-alternate. Interesting. Uh, I do not wear any Stanley Cup championship gear during the playoffs. It is strictly only normal merch. Um, I have a Stanley Cup popcorn machine. Nice. And during the playoffs, it lives in a cabinet away, and it cannot be out. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really like I wear the same socks when I go to Iceman games. Like I have the same kind of pants. I have multiple pairs of the same pants. Um, when I go to an Iceman game, I do not wear anything other than Iceman gear, Nice, uh, like Iceman t-shirt, Iceman hat, Iceman jersey. I'm, I'm a lot stitious. Like I'm not, I'm not a little stitious. I'm a lot stitious. Well, see, don't feel so bad. I have the exact same apparel superstitions when it comes to game day. So nothing wrong there. Um, I made the mistake during the bubble season of buying a Colorado avalanche, like defend mile high playoff shirt because i was like i was just so happy that hockey was coming back and we looked so promising i bought into it and regret it yeah because that was the year that we lost on that ridiculously boneheaded play in game seven and dallas Mm -hmm. went on marching that will never happen again um i've explained my superstition with like uh player names on jerseys Mm-hmm. um i that's a that's a taboo thing like after they go away possibly but like it's i can't do current players on jerseys i can do current players on jerseys like i have a cane jersey at crawford jersey um the only thing that i'm like when it comes to names on jerseys the only jerseys i have with names on them are specifically mine or like I have hand-me-downs from my dad. I have my my grandpa's Bobby Hull jersey. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, and for Christmas this year, my dad sent it to me, and I bawled yeah. like a tiny like a tiny human being. I mean, just opened the box, and it was like instant tears because I knew, like looking at the jersey, I knew exactly which jersey it was. And so, but when it comes to game days, um, like I have an away cane jersey, mm-hmm. and I have a home crawford jersey and so like my winter classic jerseys never get worn because we don't play well there (laughs) oh you noticed 
Oh no, I know. I, I went to a winter classic. I went to the one in DC. My mom got it for me for Christmas. That was my Christmas present. I win. Amazing. I was like, mom, we're not going to win. It's fine. But when they did the 360 picture, it was as the Blackhawks scored. And I can find myself in the crowd <laughs> in the 360 picture because I intentionally brought gaudiest hot pink and like beige polka dotted bag because I knew that picture was happening but they scored and I'm like one of 15 people like standing up like (laughs) just freaking out um but I mean it it was amazing it was it was a great experience I knew we weren't going to win it's fine that's just our curse but you know what happened later that year yeah we lifted a cup so I mean if we're going to lose an outdoor game and win a Stanley Cup it works. It, it works. works. It works. And if anybody has followed the Blackhawks here lately, it's been kind of a drought. Things, yeah. have, And it's one of those that I kind of want to touch on two points here. Like, what is it like after going from such a high of almost being a dynasty? Like, almost. Be, being, almost almost like, being a dynasty. <laughs> almost <laughs> being a dynasty. <laughs> Gary Bettman said the words, okay? Oh, then then it's gospel. <laughs> Even he said the words. Hey, uh, we gave you Quinville, so he came from Colorado, so you can just... But, but, but now, okay. now but, he lives in South Florida, so... Yeah, he followed. Okay, now that you guys are coming off a quote-unquote dynasty, mm-hmm. and you have lost members like... Uh, Brandon Saad and you're losing like the players are going away the team's starting to look different what is that like as a fan because I know the avalanche like our last cup was in 2001 and I think uh, Sackick and Forsberg's last year was like 0809 mm-hmm. but it was one of those you knew it was the end and it was just nice to see him play but what is it like transitioning from this quote-unquote dynasty to the next era of Blackhawks hockey? So as someone who lived through the awful 90s and early 2000s of Blackhawk fandom, it's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. Like, I mean, yes, we had Ronick and we had Belfort and we had Chelly. Like, we had great players. It just didn't happen. But like watching the core slowly get broken up has been less hurtful. Uh Like after every cup run, we've lost somebody significant. And the one that still hurts my heart is Dustin Bufflin because I love him. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, He played in Norfolk. Like we played in Norfolk and we called him baby buff because he was (laughs) adorable little thing. And then he hit the NHL. It was like, Oh, big buff. Nope. Baby buff is (laughs) no longer, no longer qualifies. Like the, the hardest part for me has been, like having grown up watching a team that was for a while, their farm system. Yeah. Like I shared Twizzlers with Craig Anderson sitting next to the locker room. I've got to watch Corey Crawford start his career in professional hockey. I had seen Duncan Keith play. Like I know Al McIsaac. I've known him since I was six years old. So for a lot of the players we're losing, I've seen their entire professional career like not just their time in the nhl i saw when they played in norfolk i interacted with them like 
we had team dinners. Yeah. Like it was, so that part is hard. Like when the Duncan Keith trade happened, like that hurt. Like he mentioned Norfolk in one of his cup acceptance speeches one year. Yeah. And I called my dad. I was like, dad, <laughs> and he was like, I know I saw. <laughs> so, I mean, like that's been harder than watching everything happen. Like Stan Bowman's our GM. So bad moves happen. That's just, that's just how he rolls. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm used to that, but it's watching guys retire who like I watched them play their rookie professional season. Yeah. And then it's like, oof, mm, I feel old. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's the hardest part. Like I can live with no playoff success because I basically grew up with no playoff success. It's just watching that is hard. Does it make it a little bit easier that you guys are coming? It's about what? It's been coming up on almost a decade since the last one. And you're not going through a Detroit type um, win and blow up and take forever to come back. I mean, just looking at what you get, the moves you made this last offseason with acquisitions of like Seth Jones and like you have a lot more going for you. You have Marc-Andre Fleury. Like there are things you guys are starting to build again. And with the moves you're making in the cap space, it might not be too much longer before you guys are right back where you were. So the off-season moves this year have me very cautiously optimistic. Um, mostly because there's still all of the, like, is Flower going to go to Chicago rumors happening? And there's people that are like, I have sources that say yes. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, but now if I believe this and it doesn't happen, it's going to be heartbroken. Because as a hockey fan, I love Flower. Yeah. Like, I have always been a lover of the goalie position, mostly because it's not something I could ever, ever do myself. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. Mad respect. Like I will happily defend you, but like, no, no, I could. no. Yeah. You'd have Goldberg me to the net <laughs> like, to get me to play goalie. That is the only, only way. But so like, I have always loved flower always when he was a penguin. I loved him. But he is the reason that I, every time the Knights made the postseason, I was like, let's go, let's get Flower another cup. Like, let's do this. Like, I will root for him all day, every day. And they're like, he might come to Chicago. And I was like, what? Yeah. I'm sorry, what? Um, so it's, it's exciting, but I am cautiously optimistic. Um, all of my hockey friends know that I am not a fan of the current Blackhawks coach. Um in any way, shape, or form, every year it has been the same answer. Well, we just need to implement the system. Mm. Like, well, you've had several years yeah. to implement the system. Why is the system not yet implemented? <laughs> so, and it's it's hard to watch some of the veteran guys too because it seems like they don't want to say that they don't respect him because that feels not right. But I mean, like after the bubble playoffs, when like Kane and Taves were the last ones to leave the ice and they didn't even acknowledge the coach at all. And everybody was like, what does this mean? What does it mean? I was like, I don't know, but it means it's going to mean something. Yeah. Um, 
but then also finding out like what Taves was going through because we were all screaming at the TV like why is why is like the clutchest captain not on the ice in this situation he has scored so many game tying goals in the playoffs he has scored so many impossible goals to make things happen like where is he and then to find out like everything that he went through I mean I guess he had COVID and this is all like post COVID stuff that he's been dealing with. And I mean, a lot of people were like, he just doesn't want to play. He's afraid this, that, and the other. And I was like, no, okay, no, he was actually like dealing with a lot. And so it's, this season is like, it's got me hopeful. Like it's always a good day to be a Blackhawks fan. Like I love my team, but I'm also like, don't get too excited. And as a Blackhawks fan, um, I'm, a, I'm a vocal Avalanche fan, New Jersey Devils fan, but I'm a fan of the league. Mm-hmm. I observe the league. Mm-hmm. Without diving into it, um, the, the stuff that's going on with management and the scandal with management, as a fan, from your perspective, I'm not asking you to make a decision either way. How do you navigate something like this as a fan? So I'm approaching this very similarly to how I approached the Patrick Kane situation several years ago. Um, I need the independent investigation to happen. I need people to do the job that they need to do. And I need, I need facts. I need black and white. I don't need so-and-so says everybody knew. And then people are like, no, I, I, found Joel Quinville flat out said I found out in the media a month ago so I I need I need facts just like with the whole Patrick Kane situation people were I mean the court of public opinion is an awful place yeah and and that's honestly why I brought it up because whatever stance you take on everything it's still developing there's still stuff out there but the ripple effects of what this could mean could be drastic for the Panthers now with Quinville out in Florida, um, Edmonton with Duncan Keith. Like it's a, the facts when they come out. Um, it's one of those things. It's easy to say, well, this is this, or I'm going to wait till this, but nobody thinks of it from a like, also, what are Blackhawk fans doing? I've seen a lot of people say, if this comes out to be true, I'm burning my jersey. Or And then, I, again, I see those that are like, um, root out the ones who are guilty, and I'm still sticking with the, the team. Like It's one of those things I brought this up to get your just quick, like right now, opinion of it, because a lot of people don't, like, put yourself in the, your shoes, like, you guys went through the cane thing and then you guys are going through this now. Um, a lot of fan bases don't really have to deal with this. Like Vancouver every now and then we'll have something. Ottawa will have something every now and then. But I know for us in Colorado, we don't, I think Varlamov was the last situation we had. Yeah. But this so- one's, it's such a top down like neglect. It makes you call into question your fandom and I'm asking a fan who experiences that fandom, how are you processing this? 
So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like on every level I'm struggling with this, like from a fan level, I'm struggling. And from a personal level, I'm struggling. Like I know Al McIsaac. Yeah. I, I know him. I have known him as long as I can remember. Like I have held his babies. Mm-hmm. Like I know his twin brother he still communicates with my dad. He wished me a belated happy birthday when the Hawks won the cup two days after my birthday. He was like, sorry, we were a few days late. <laughs> like, so on in that aspect, like to see his name involved in this is really hard, which is another reason why like I'm trying to yeah. take a real outside vantage point. Like, especially being 11 years later, it's hard to... I wouldn't even say it's hard to get the facts because I mean, it is what it is, but it's, it's still hard to discern a lot of stuff. And I always 100% live by the philosophy of there are three sides to every story. There is one side, one person's side, another person's side, and then the actual events that happen. And you can generally surmise what actually happened by getting the details from each side. So I will not be, burning my Blackhawks jerseys. If all of the things that allegedly were done were true, I expect a house to be cleaned. I expect things to happen that are going to be hard. But I also expect the sport as a whole to wake up. Yeah. Um, the NHL is the only league that doesn't have a domestic violence policy. Mm-hmm. The NHL is uh, the only league as a whole that handles situations on a case by case basis. And I don't think that that's right. Um, I think there needs to be a blanket policy when it comes to things like domestic violence, sexual assault. Um, I mean, a- any criminal behavior, there should be a, a blanket policy. I mean, Major corporations all have policies when it comes to these situations. Why are we so far behind in the hockey world? Yeah, and and, and it's all. This is also not to, not we're not dumping on the Blackhawks here, but you brought that up. It's making me think of this point. It came out today, like shortly before we hit record, like the Evander Kane um, gambling issues. He bet on his own team. Ooh, I. So I got off work and came straight to this interview and I hadn't seen that bet on his own team and has been throwing some games. Oh, so when you talk, yeah, when you talk about the NHL being silent um, and how they handle things, there are now two big issues that the NHL needs to one do their do their work on and we need to hear something from the league um i bring these points up like every episode of here in puckberg we've had is talking about fandoms but there's also been a lot of fandoms where people have shifted and went to another team they started out with this team we're talking about hockey as a whole and your fandoms yeah and things being shaken and we're at a time now where things can be shaken and uh, it's uncharted waters for some. Some have endured this and went through it. 
but these are two new glaring stories for two or maybe even three, depending on how far you want to follow Kane's um, his road through the NHL. These are some fan bases that have some um, internal looking to do, and the league has some cleaning up to do going on. So the the league as a whole, I mean, I understand not necessarily speaking out immediately on certain issues. I get wanting to wait for facts and for evidence, um, especially, I mean, we mentioned the Patrick Kane situation, like that was a whole lot of somebody said something happened. And then, uh, well, there's literally no credible evidence that this occurred. And now this man's name's been raped through the mud. Yeah. And people still shout atrocious things at him. And I mean, that happens to professional athletes in every league. Varlamov still gets it. I mean, look at Kobe. Yeah. I mean, to completely leave the sport of hockey, look, Kobe Bryant, even on the day he died, people yep. were bringing up what happened. Yep. And so it's it's hard because the court of public opinion is an awful place. Yeah. And there's no, they're very quick to judge and never really come back and say, oh, we were wrong. Yeah. Our bad. Like you hear the very quick, like, Oh, he did this because one person said he did this and they must be telling the truth and come to find out that that person wasn't telling the truth. And now you have done nothing to retract the awful things that you've written about that you've podcasted about. Like there's still that, that stuff still exists. And it's um, the court of public. <laughs> when you're mentioning all that, I, all I kept thinking of was Danny Heatley. He went through the same way, way back. Took him off the cover and replaced it with Joe Sackick. So, well before the internet was really like the thing. Yeah, it's um, I, you just I would like to see my league step up just a little bit more. Like the NFL and uh, MLB, they do a really good job about getting out in front of this and launching investigations. I really hope the NHL, especially going into this ESPN venture and TNT, can catch up with the times and uh, can really clean up things a little bit more and be it more upfront instead of screaming, hey, the building's on fire while it's halfway burnt down. Yeah, like half the building's gone. Hey, guys, the building's on fire. Hold yeah. on. Hold on, wait, we, got, we have to evacuate now. Um, most of the building's gone. We're already out. Like, what's, what, what's happening? Yeah, it's... I just would like to see the NHL just step up just a little bit. And a lot of this, if you step up a little bit quicker, you get in front of the court of public opinion and silence a lot of those voices. But. The, the thing that the only thing about the, the Blackhawks situation right now that, that bothers me, I guess is, I mean, it's obviously being fought by lawyers and we all, yeah. we all know how that goes, but it's like, you know, they're not trying them on a, a criminal case. It's a civil case. Yeah. And so there's the burden of evidence is much different. And it's determined in much different ways in, in civil cases. But like some of the things that the lawyers have said, like back and forth, especially even on the Blackhawk side, like, well, they weren't legally required to report this. And it's like, I'm sorry, as a human. Yeah as a human 
if someone came to me and told me that that happened to them, I don't care what my legal requirements are. I'm going to get them the assistance that they need. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, there needs to be some sort of reporting practice in every profession, not just sports. Every professional environment should have some sort of mandated reporting practice if something has occurred that could potentially be illegal. Mm-hmm. Like not just domestic violence or sexual assault. Like if you see somebody stealing money out of a cash register and you work at a grocery store, there should be a way for you to report that so that things can be investigated without like whistleblower protection, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's just hard to, as, as, as like, I would consider myself a good person. So like as a good person, it's hard to hear like a lawyer be like, well, this is my justification legally. Yeah. They, and, they, they have no, no responsibility here. So case dismissed. And the, and a big thing for the game of hockey, we've talked about the ECHL and SPHL. If the NHL is making this, precedent with how they handle things and don't report things it just makes it worse for the younger leagues and the minor leagues because we there's stories all the time coming out of the minor leagues and youth hockey and if it's not being policed at the top there's no incentive where there's less um i don't i wouldn't say importance but there's less significance in these leagues it's not so much make or break it's not a huge financial investment. So um, it's a precedent that the NHL needs to take from the top down to improve a lot more things in the leagues below them. Well, and it's one of those things, I mean, look at what happened with USA Gymnastics. Yes. That, I mean, even Simone Biles saying like part of the reason she's still competing is because she wants to protect her teammates and make sure that that doesn't happen again. Like, there just needs to be some sort of, of situation in all athletics, not just hockey, not just football, all athletics need, especially if you're dealing with, you know, doctors and your, you know, adults and children, et cetera, et cetera. There needs to be some sort of way to safeguard everyone. Yeah. And even if it's like as a military kid, I never went into a doctor's appointment that didn't involve two people. And one of them was of the same sex as me. So if my doctor was a male, there was always a female in the room and vice versa. So it's like, I mean, there's, there's got to be some way somehow that we can protect the world from, from gross people. Yeah. And I, and I bring all that up, not to take away from all the, all your stories or all your, um, everything we talked about with your fandom. It's just one of those things you have to do now. You have to address it because, well, people will hear all this fandom of your team. That's going to be circulating in their mind. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you can't just act like you ignore it. And people ignoring it is what got us to this point right now. So oh, that's I have, why we're here. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's, I mean, I know it's hard, especially for like, male male victims of sexual assault to like report what happened to them but if this player had the the sense to go and report it to the team they had an obligation yeah to i mean even just ask him what they wanted done like what do you you want done about what happened 
Like, what can we do to make this better for you? And if that didn't happen, like, I just, I can't. Like, whoever didn't ask that question, who was in the meeting where this all was allegedly told, like, I hope you never work in hockey again. I hope you never work with kids. I hope you go retire in some place that doesn't have the internet because the world will not be kind to you. And, and to like close this out, I wanted to bring this uh, to the forefront. If you haven't heard this story, it would help if you go look it up. And this is something that you don't need to be quiet about. So just more voices trying to get some answers is really like, you can hear it from a Blackhawks fan standpoint can hear it from my standpoint but you go look it up yourself and get the information and be vocal about it because um you can't trust the system that was in place so it's going to be us that get those answers out there and get the justice for those involved i would also like to interject please do your research yes but also please do not accuse people name call people any of that without facts exactly like, Part of the reason why people are so hesitant to report things of this nature is because of what it's going to be said about not only the perpetrator, but the victim. Yeah. So please, please research it. Please, you know, if you haven't heard about what's going on, like definitely look into it as more facts come out, like be careful when you're reading things like sources say, etc etc if you don't have the cojones to tell me your name yeah you have to say has little to no significance to what's going on like Mm -hmm. i understand the the victim wanting to be anonymous in this suit i i 100 support their ability to do so that is their right that is something that is there to protect them but if you're going to come out and be like well a source said this person knew and they're lying to everyone and then that person and comes out with their name and is like, I don't even have any idea what you're talking yeah. about because you're the reason I know that this is happening. Like that's where a lot of waters get muddied. So like do your research, learn about it, but but be gentle with the victim and be careful about what you say about the potential, not, not just the organization, but the people within the organization. Um, we don't know who know what, we don't know who said what, and we might not know that for a really long time. And honestly, I feel like the Blackhawks wanted to bring this into the forefront because they easily could have settled this lawsuit with an NDA and never would have known that this happened. Yeah, you're right. And instead of doing that, we're now where we are. So in my hearts, I'm really hopeful that they're like, you know, we need to fix this system. So we're not just going to push millions of dollars at this person and have them sign a non-disclosure agreement like that. that, that that's where my good person heart is hoping yeah. that we are. Now, but, I, was, I was saying all that for, I don't want this in, like, I don't want things to get buried and I don't want the situation to just wither off and vanish into the wind. Like it's one of those, don't get like, don't let it go away. Exactly. Don't let it go away because it, it was 10 years before we even heard about this. Don't let it be another 10 because you're prepping for the future of young hockey players coming up and you want to have them to have a safe and inclusive environment where they don't feel like they can't go to anybody about anything. Yeah. So 
I, I wish every kid would understand, like children, if you're listening to this podcast, please know that there's always an adult that you can speak to who you can trust. Yep. You can always tell someone, even if it's not your parents, you have guidance counselors, you have teachers, you have principals, you have your friend's parents. There is always a safe adult that you can go and speak to, that you can tell what happened to you. And there are always people in this world who will believe you and who will support you and yep. who will give you all of the help that you need. Absolutely. A thousand percent. And um, before we get ready to wrap everything up, you enjoy Seth Jones and possibly Marc-Andre Fleury. And didn't you guys get Braden Point? Yeah. My Wait, God. no. Yes. I think you did. You got you got one of you got one of the lightning. We got we got uh Tre- or not Trevor. Oh my God. We got T Johnny. We got Tyler Johnson. Oh, the, that's right. Former Norfolk Admiral. Thank you very much. Won the Calder Cup with him in 2012. Um, I don't know. So much has happened. I'm losing track. Like, and you got rid of Nikita Zadorov. He went to Calgary. Bye. So you guys are you guys are making the moves. You guys are doing. We went from last off season to like, oh, you know, we're in, we're in the process of a rebuild, and this off season they were like, screw rebuild, we're going for it. You guys not only got Seth Jones, but you were able to keep Kirby Doc. Oh, and we got Colton Doc. Yes. And we got Caleb Jones. We got a whole family. Like we don't need championships. We got family. That's uh, the tagline for Fast and the Furious Ten. Yes. We, got <laughs> we but- don't need. We got family. <laughs> well, Beth, it was an absolute honor having you on and diving into your fandom and the conversation uh, at hand. So uh, before we get you wrapped up, tell everybody how they can find you. Uh, so you can find me on literally every social media platform. I have the same exact username. Uh, you can also Venmo me if you'd like to. It's the same username there as well. Uh, so it's going to be Beffers34, B-E-F-F-E-R-S-3-4. And that will be tagged on all of the socials when this episode drops. So if you didn't catch it there, just look where you found this episode. It'll be tagged. And if you like to find the show, we have a Twitter at HPuckberg. We have an Instagram here, underscore N, underscore Puckberg. We have a Facebook here in Puckburg. And if you'd like to email me to come on and share your own puck tale, you email us at here in Puckburg podcast at bellyupsports.com. So Beth, again, thank you so much. And for having me. It is an absolute honor. You guys enjoy your 2021 22 season. Do my best. Cautious, cautious optimism is the tagline for this season. Cautious optimism we are looking at a full 82 game season with normal we get to play everybody again so that'll be nice to see other teams go to canada again guys yeah it's gonna be great we'll get to we'll have fun with the leafs but um enjoy your season coming up beth and everybody who stopped by thank you for joining us here in puckburg